It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name's Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our new website at northstarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everybody. We got a good one for you here today as we preview UFC Fight Night Blades versus Volkov, which will take place on Saturday, June 20th at the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, just a very, very brief housekeeping note. I don't know uh, I don't know if all you know or if you're all privy to this knowledge. I have no idea where you guys are, are tuning in to listen to this show, but I just figured I should mention that uh, we are now on many platforms. I've been trying to figure out uh, all the little minor details with getting shows on different uh, podcast platforms. And uh, officially, I think we're, we're on all of them. There are some goofy stupid tech stuff that we had to work through but uh we are available on spotify google podcast apple podcast stitcher tune in and youtube and of course the amazing northstarsports.media website and podbean shout out to podbean uh so pretty much anywhere there's a, a podcast provider you can find the show uh i don't have links you can go to my website and find them or just just look up North Star Sports. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you'll find it. I'm sure you'll find our wonderful logo. Um, but without any further ado, we'll get right into the show here. And I'm excited for this fight card. Uh, it's it's a little bit interesting, a little bit weird on some of the prelim fights. I'm, I'm, I'd be lying if I said they they really jumped out to me. But uh, some of these fights on the main card uh, actually are are not that bad and. You know, we're kind of in a little bit of a lull when you look at last week, how how unstacked the card was. And, and this week, it's a little bit better. Um, at least the headliner is going to be an actually decent fight. And then I think we have one more fight card. I think the Poirier and Hooker fight card is the next one. And then we finally go to Fight Island, which uh, is not an island. It's just a patch of sand separated by a small river. Um, but that's fun because some of those those cards are going to get absolutely stacked, uh, especially that UFC 251. That's going to be uh, absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to preview uh, that card on the show. Uh, but as always, we'll, we'll give our predictions. We'll go through each fights, and, and we'll start from the, uh, the bottom, bottom of the card all the way up to the top. And we'll start with the prelim opener, a lightweight fight here between Austin Hubbard and Max Rosekopf. Again, I, I don't know a whole lot about... I've seen Austin Hubbard fight before. I uh, have not been super impressed. I know he had that really bad leg injury where he had a scar all the way from his thigh down to his ankle from, I believe, an infection when he was on that uh, Vancouver card that was headlined by Gaethje and Cerrone. He got absolutely worked over by uh, Mark Madsen, who I think is, I'm really high on Mark Madsen. I know he's 35, but an Olympic wrestler. Uh, and I think he, oh man, he had something broken in his head. I believe his, his orbital. And uh, he's going to be out for a little bit, but you know, he's got a, a short window because he's getting up there in age, even though he's really new to the sport, but uh, no shame in losing to him. But 
I mean, Austin Hubbard, he's really ran into uh, two elite grapplers in uh, Madsen and, and Davi Hamos. Um, and it's it's not going to get any easier because what I could what I could uh, learn about Max Roscoff, five and zero, ADCC grappler. Uh, I believe he's only twenty five or twenty six, and he he's, he just started MMA in about oh I want to say November of twenty eighteen. So really new. It's tough to tell if if he's just a late replacement for uh, Austin Hubbard or if he was somebody that they would legitimately sign because. Uh, Hubbard originally was supposed to fight Joe Selecki, so uh, th- this seems to be a, a highly touted prospect, somebody to watch out for, even though uh, it does come as a, a late replacement and not, you know, just a standard UFC signing. Um, but again, w- when you talk about lower-level UFC fighters, which is what both of these two fighters are currently at, at this moment uh, in their UFC careers, uh, are, we've seen Austin Hubbard struggle with grapplers, Roskopf is a, a, a really, really solid grappler if he's if he's doing anything in, in ADCC. Uh, he's the minus 180 favorite, making his UFC debut. And I'm going to go with Roskopf. Uh, I'm going to say by uh, by finish, by submission. Uh, we'll even go in round two. We'll say a round two submission for, uh, for old Maxi Boy. And uh, that's about as much knowledge I'm going to drop on that because, again, I'm not like these fake shows. Uh, if I don't know something about the fighters, uh, you know, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna say it. And a lot of these uh, fight night prelims, uh, it's a little dicey. It's a little dicey. We're still learning about these guys. They're still new to the UFC. So uh, I I didn't watch whatever local regional MMA circuit these guys fought on because I'm not a maniac. So not a whole lot to say other than Max wins. And and listen, I think we're we're at about. We might e- we might even be at 69% on our picks this year. Uh, we had a good night. We had a good night. I-, I mentioned it briefly, but we had a good night on the uh, Jessica I. Cynthia Calvillo card last Saturday. 70% of our picks were correct, which uh, there was there was a couple I should have got right. But again, we're still tuning it in. Uh, we're, we're still we're still shooting a, a real solid percentage here. So you know you really can trust me. I. I ought to put that up on the website, uh, uh, keeping track of my predictions from card to card because, you know, we we care about accountability here. Whether or not I'm white, uh, well, I am white, but but whether or not I'm I'm right or wrong, uh, the fans deserve to know. So I might I might create a page on the old website of Rooney uh, documenting my picks and maybe even the Hall of Famer. Uh, Drew Peterson's picks because you know he's pretty hot on his picks as of late so uh, if there's any listeners out there uh, let me know what you think um, moving on here uh, we have uh, a uh, a top 10 matchup here in the uh, women's flyweight division between Roxanne Mataferi and Lauren Murphy uh, again, there's a lot of these odds on these fights and uh, and by the way I'm getting these odds from William Hill uh, booking, and I don't know how these odds work, man. I really don't know. It's even money for Lauren Murphy, but Mataferi's the minus 120 favorite, so I don't really understand how they make as much money as they could with odds like that. Don't really understand how odds can be different for two fighters. I'm sure actual bookies would understand, but, uh, you know, I'm not a nerd, so I'm not a bookie, so I, I, I don't understand. That's probably just kind of how it's, how it's going to be. Um, 
interesting, interesting fight, uh, especially this early on the prelims. I mean, uh, but we saw with the card last Saturday, and, and there's a couple of fights here, I believe, at the one at the 125 division. There's going to be a lot of movement in that division. So you know, when the dust settles on uh, uh, come next Monday. I mean, the rankings already look drastically different. The North Star rankings look drastically different, uh, you know. And we got a couple of top fifteen fights with with uh, you know potentially even title ramifications because I always say if you're in the top five, title shot could happen at any time. So if if Murphy or Modafferi win this one, surely they'll be in the top five. And you know, I'm, I know they're they're targeting uh, Joanne Calderwood for Shevchenko's next defense, but. You know, stuff happens. Look at Usman and Masvidal. Stuff happens. So, uh, I really don't have a lot to say on this because I really don't spend a lot of time uh, scouting the the women's 125 division. I know Mataferi is a veteran of the game. uh, Clearly has the experience uh, advantage here. And, I don't know, kind of been flip-flopping wins and losses in the the UFC. Uh... Lost a couple of times. I mean, I, I guess she's looked. She's uh, Mataferi has looked a little bit better in some of her last performances. I know that uh, Macy Barber tore her, her ACL, so I mean, she beat Macy Barber, but you know, didn't really beat uh, you know a fully health healthy Macy Barber. Uh, losses to Nico Montano and Sajara Eubanks. Those are those are whew, real bad, real bad losses. Uh, and and Lauren Murphy. Uh, she fought Andrea Lee to a, uh, a split decision victory in February, which I completely disagree with. I think that was yet another scorecard that was absolutely corrupted by the, uh, the Texas commission. So, I mean, really, this is somebody who shouldn't be in the top 10, because if she would have lost to Andrea Lee, probably not in the top 10, but, uh, really don't have a lot to say, because these two fighters are irrelevant in, in my mind. Uh, the winner is going to get bumped up into the top five, I can tell you that much, but uh, I don't look at these either either of these two fighters as contenders. Uh, they are highly ranked, but they are highly ranked because the 125 division absolutely stinks at the moment, but uh, they are getting some young talent uh, infused in the division, so uh, perhaps we could see uh, it, it really strengthen as the years go on. Uh, I guess I have to pick a winner here, and... Oh man, I guess I'll go Lauren Murphy, <laughs> but I don't, it's kind of like last card, like, I'm just making picks to make picks, because I have to, but I don't feel good about them, I really don't feel good about these picks, uh, I feel terrible about picking Lauren Murphy, <clears throat> excuse me, and I would feel terrible about picking Roxanne Modafferi, I I don't have faith in either of these fighters, and I, I, I guess I'll go Lauren Murphy, if for no other reason than at least Vegas... Actually, no, Mataferi, I guess, is the slight favorite. So, you know, we'll go contrarian to Las Vegas. We'll, we'll go Murphy. Uh, speaking of other fights that really don't have any uh, any impact on, on the UFC, uh, even in the division that it's within, uh, Frank Camacho takes on Matt Frivola in the lightweight division. Uh, I think, you know, Frivola is on this card. Uh, Roosevelt Roberts is on this card. Roberts called out Frivola. I don't know why they're on the same card, but they're not fighting each other. That seems like uh, kind of a a mismanagement of UFC matchmaking. Uh, Frivola has lost three of his... No, excuse me. 
Uh, Frank the Crank Camacho has lost three of his last four. Um, oh boy, yeah, not uh, not too good. Not too good in the UFC. Uh, two wins, four losses. He is a tough fighter. He did get... Now, who was it? He got absolutely murked by Jeff Neal. Uh, that was a particularly vicious and bloody uh, fight and finish. Head kick knockout. Uh, Matt Frivola, the Steamroller. I do like that nickname. That's a unique nickname. And, you know, we've kind of been, we've kind of been uh, crapping on nicknames over the last couple of shows. But, you know, I'll give you that, Steamroller. Uh, I did not think he beat uh, Luis Pena. Uh, but he does have wins over Jalen Turner, uh, a draw with Lando Venata, which is, is really interesting. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, Matt Frivola on this one again, uh, solely because you look at the records and, and Camacho is kind of a middling fighter, uh, on his way out in the UFC. Don't have a whole lot to say about either of them and, and their styles because I, I really don't pay attention to, to fighters until they become relevant. Uh, I'm going to try to get better at, at paying attention to some of these fighters, but uh, I couldn't tell you a damn thing about Matt Frivola's game, but we got to make picks here. So uh, Matt Frivola will win this one, uh, and we'll go by decision. Not that it matters, but we'll go by decision. Uh, moving on, another fight here in the women's flyweight division, number 12 in the North Star rankings, Courtney Casey taking on Jillian Robertson. Uh, Courtney Casey is even money. Robertson is the minus 120 favorite. Uh, and this is, this is a good fight. I like this for, for both fighters, uh, particularly for Jillian Robertson, because, uh, she's only 25. She just turned 25. She's a really talented fighter. And this is what I'm talking about with the flyweight division. It is buns. It's really bad. Two years from now, we're going to look back at the women's flyweight division and go, Wow, these bums were ranked because I think with the infusion of young talent in this division, it, listen, it's it's not a good division right now. It has a dominant champion. It does have some, you know, you could cherry pick good fighters in the division, of course, but overall, it's one of the weakest divisions in the UFC. But in a couple of years, I really think with some of the young talent like Macy Barber and Jillian Robertson, um, I think we're actually going to have legitimate talent in this division. I like Robertson. Uh, again, with women fighters, sometimes you get records where you go, eh, that's not really a good record, but you got to understand, you know, women's MMA is different than than male mixed martial arts. You know, p- case in point with Courtney Casey, she's 9-7. and seven. Uh, I don't really think the UFC has 9-7 and seven male fighters because uh, that really doesn't exist. But Courtney Casey's a, a solid fighter. She's been screwed on, on a couple of decisions uh, over the last couple of years. Uh... Loss, split decision losses to Felice Herrig and, and Michelle Watterson. Um, so really, this is interesting too because you look at Courtney Casey and you look at how how fluid and malleable the 125 division is. Listen, if she didn't get screwed on the judges' scorecards uh, in those two losses, she could e- she could easily be ranked in the top five at this point. You know what I mean? So it, it's just, you know, this is a talented fighter. This is a, a good fighter. Obviously, showcasing her her ground game when she uh, submitted uh, Mara Romero Barella, one of the hardest names to say. That that seems like it'd be easy, but it's just a tongue twister for me. Uh, in in May, by a first round arm armbar. But I think she's a pretty good striker. She was a former college uh, soccer star, just a good athlete, and you know, 
I think she's only like 30, 31, oh, 33, but, uh, you know, somebody to watch out for, and, you know, a win over Jillian Robertson, I mean, it might move you in the top 10, maybe not, uh, you know, because Robertson's not ranked, but a, a solid a solid victory if she can win this one, and, and Robertson is, is talented, she did lose to, to Macy Barber, but there's no shame in that, I think Macy Barber is probably a future champion in the UFC, um, and I don't know, I, I think she's really talented, and she's got that great uh, ground game, which seems to be important, especially in, um, you know, in the women's division, and only 25, only getting better at, at a solid team there with American Top Team, and uh, this is her first rebound, or her first fight back uh, since the Macy Barber loss, but, you know, surprisingly been in the UFC for a long time. She's been in the UFC since the inception of the division. Uh, I know I know. back in 2019 she had the most victories at strawweight. Now, I assume that's not the case because... Oh, there must have been a couple of fighters that passed her up. But, um, you know, a, a win over uh, Emily Whitmire, Molly McCann, that's a pretty solid victory. I believe she's ranked in the North Star rankings, and... Sarah Froda, who, who missed weight by, like, four pounds when she fought her. Um, so, a really talented fighter. And, again, uh, it, it is a little different because it's women's flyweight. But you don't really see fighters grow in the UFC. It's really hard for young fighters to grow in the UFC because you're facing top talent. You do your growing in Invicta, which the UFC is very good at. Invicta is very good at developing talent for the UFC. Um but like you develop in like in the PFL, you develop in Bellator. You, it's very rare. I mean, look at look at really talented fighters that have flamed out. Look at like a Roger Huerta, you know, to go all the way back. Look at like Sage Northcutt. I mean, man, it's really hard. Mickey Gall, who I don't think is that great of a fighter, so that might be his problem with getting wins in the UFC. But you know, when they get these young fighters and bring him into the UFC, ah, man, it it really doesn't. It really doesn't always work. It, it's kind it's kind of a tricky thing, but you know Robertson's kind of learning on the fly and 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 doing more than just treading water. So uh, we'll go Jillian Robertson uh, with a victory here, and you know in in my mind that makes her the number twelve strawweight, or excuse me number number twelve flyweight in in the North Star rankings. Certainly she'll be ranked uh, with a win over Courtney Casey. So. Uh, a lot on the line here for Jillian Robertson as she tries to rebound eight months uh, from the Barber loss. But I'll go Robertson, and I'm not going to say she finishes the fight because Courtney Casey is a, a tough out. Um, so I, spo- I suppose we'll go by decision on this one. Uh, another another in- interesting fight, I guess we'll put it that way, uh, in the middleweight division, uh, Mark andre Barrio. Uh, 11 and 4 taking on Oscar Pejota who's 11 3 and 1. Pejota is the minus 130 favorite. And this fight sucks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh I remember I wish I could remember the reps the, the the website, but I do remember there was a website oh about a year and a half ago before the power bar Mark Andre Barrio made it to the UFC saying he was the number one prospect outside of the UFC. And this guy just sucks. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's just the truth. I've seen nothing from him in his three fights. Uh, a loss to Andrew Sanchez. I mean, I get Andrew Sanchez won tough, but you know the Ultimate Fighter is not really what it used to be. 
uh, a split decision loss to Kristoff's Jotko. And that was when Jotko was on a three-fight losing streak. So if Jotko lost, he probably would have been cut from uh, the UFC. And then a loss to Jun Yong Park, who I've never heard of. Uh, so three straight losses in three UFC appearances. Just, I, I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, I would have figured he would have been cut after the, his performance in South Korea. Uh, but I think he's on this card probably probably just because it's a quarantine and they have to have somebody on there. Uh, not that he was caught. He's always been on the UFC roster since he got signed. But, uh, man, it's it's really hard to pick a guy on a three-fight losing streak as we transition to Oscar Pajota, who's also on a three-fight losing streak. <laughs> so we have two fighters on three-fight losing streaks. Um Oscar Pajota, at least he has a UFC victory. Now he has two UFC victories, so he has he has infinity infinity more victories than than the power bar does in the UFC. And the thing, the reason why I'm going with Oscar Pajota, I know he's on a three fight losing streak. So is Mark Andre Barrio. Both of these fighters, in my mind, don't belong in the UFC. It's very evident by the fact that they're on a three fight losing streak. But and again, these are not ranked guys, so it's not like, oh, three-fight losing streak in the Damian Maya sense where it's Woodley, Covington, and Usman. No, 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 it's not top talent. But at least, at least with Oscar Pichota, it's losses to Gerald Mearshart, crafty veteran. Okay, I mean, he loses more fights than he wins these days. I think when we, he had a fight a couple of weeks ago, and I think he lost four of his last seven, but... A crafty guy. I like. I like me some GM three. Uh, a, a loss to Hidalfo uh, Vieira, um, who what is that? Is he an ADCC guy? A really really good BJJ, excuse me, practitioner. So I mean, whatever, man. You got choked up by a, a great grappler, and then a loss to Punalele, Punahele Soriano. That's that's quite the name. Um, you know, but a decently touted touted prospect. So I'm gonna go with Oscar Pajota just because eh, when you look at the the three fight losing streak for both of them, I guess you I guess you can say Oscar's is better. Uh, but again, I don't feel great about picking either of them because you know not exactly the best circumstances. But uh, listen, you guys gotta know when I pick somebody, I really think they're gonna win, man, because I'm trying to keep my percentages real high, real high when it comes to uh, picking fights correctly. Uh, we move on here to the second to last fight in the prelims, a strawweight bout between Tisha Torres and Brianna Van Buren. Uh, Van Buren is the minus 200 favorite. Uh, Tisha Torres is on a four fight losing streak. She last won in 2017. Uh, the strawweight division is not super deep. It's pretty, it's pretty good in the top 10. It's pretty good in the top 10, but it's not super deep because uh, Tisha Torres is ranked number 14 in the North Star Sports rankings. She was 15. She moved up to 14 in last week's, or I guess yesterday's edition because Calvillo vacated the strawweight division as she moves up to flyweight. Uh, so that's, I mean, she's faced some good fighters, no doubt, but Four-fight losing streak is a four-fight losing streak of Brianna Van Buren. Uh, she's pretty short, standing at uh, five foot even, but she's on a four-fight winning streak, conversely. Uh, 
wins over uh, Juliana Lima and uh, Olivia Renata Souza, who I know the UFC was pretty high on when, when she came over here. Uh, we're going to go Brianna Van Buren by decision because unless you're a real finisher, if, if you fight in the women's strawweight division, we always go by decision. Um, yeah, not a, not a lot to say on, on that matchup. And this leads us here to our prelim headliner, a lightweight bout here between uh, Clay the Carpenter Guida and Bobby Green. Uh, Clay Guida, 35-19. and 19. Bobby Green, 24-10-1. Green is the minus 230 favorite. And again, I really don't know who to pick here. I know Clay Guida's tough. I know he always brings it. He always moves forward. He's a wild man, except for that one fight he had. Oh, man, I forget. It was many years ago, so I wouldn't count on it. But he had that one weird fight where he fought to a decision and he fought super conservative. Man, I wish I could remember. Was it against Mac Danzig? I forget what it was. He had some weird fight, but he always brings it. But he's lost eight of his last 14 since 2011. Bobby Green, he's won five and one in his last seven. It's kind of like picking whichever fighter has the most amount of gas left in their tank, but both tanks are on E, so it's it's kind of tough. I'll go with Clay Guida, I guess, for, for honestly for no reason, for honestly no reason because you, for whatever you can say. For whatever you can say and, and, and talk about and, and go, wow, I like Guida's stand-up. Wow, I like Bobby Green. His, I like his punching power. We're just talking about two old dudes, two washed-up dudes getting it on. So it's a crapshoot. I'm going to guess, and I'm going to guess Clay Guida. But we're going to move on from that because, again, we're not going to spend too much time on the stuff we don't know. Uh, now to more familiar stuff on the main card, uh, the main card opener, we have Roosevelt Roberts taking on Jim A-10 Miller. Uh, Roosevelt Roberts is the minus 230 favorite. Uh, he, he just beat up Brock Weaver, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's four and one in the UFC, including his, uh, tough finale victory. Very, very lanky. I didn't realize how tall he was. He's six foot two. Uh, really lanky, super quick hands, as evidence in the in the Weaver fight. Uh, Jim Miller, uh, 31 and 10. He's lost six of his last nine, but his three wins are all first round finishes, albeit um, against not super awesome competition like Alex White, Jason Gonzalez, and Clay Guida, which makes me rethink my Clay Guida prediction. Um. I'm obviously going with Roosevelt Roberts here. Uh, Jim Miller just is has not been the same since. Well, I would say 2016, but again, he hasn't really beaten super stellar fighters back then. He's kind of uh, at one point in his career, he was 24 and four, so he's seven and ten in his last 17. Yeah, just just kind of a stepping stone for younger fighters, and and that's what Roosevelt Roberts is. Uh, again, I would have rather have seen Roosevelt Roberts take on Frivola because I think Frivola is a better fighter than Miller, but Miller's the bigger name, so you know I'm not going to necessarily question the UFC and what they do, but uh, I'm going to pick Roberts, and I'm going to go Roberts by first-round TKO. Uh, he was very quick, very powerful. He was just clowning Brock Weaver, who, again, is another fighter that doesn't really belong in the UFC. Uh, not a very good fighter. 
Um, so we'll go Roberts by by first round TKO. I feel very confident about this one. I might, I might make this now. Spoiler alert: the lock of my week is on my Twitter. So if you follow my Twitter, you know who my lock of the week is. Um, I really want to have two locks of the weeks and and and, and make Roberts one of them because I feel really confident about him winning over Jim Miller, but uh, I'm going to uh, digress and not make that decision here. Uh, moving on into the welterweight division, we have Lyman Good taking on Bilal Muhammad. Uh, Muhammad is a minus 140 favorite. Lyman Good, 2-2 two and two in his last four. Uh, former Bellator champ. Uh, he had that pretty high-profile fight versus Damian Maya, uh, I believe two fights ago, where he got choked out with a... Uh, Standing rear naked choke. Um, I don't know. Not a, not a whole lot. To, it's really tough to gauge Lyman good because he, he he hasn't really been a, a fighter that's fought too often. Uh, two fights in 2019, a fight in 2018, a fight in 2017. Missed all of 2016. Uh, this actually was a fight that was supposed to take place in November uh, of 2016. Um, but I guess just got canceled. Um, and then you look at Bilal Muhammad, uh, he's on a two-fight winning streak over Sato and Millinder. He, he last lost to Jeff Neal, who is kind of a dark horse, to be honest, uh, in that welterweight division. Uh, seven and three in the UFC. We're going to go Bilal Muhammad, uh, by decision on this one. Um, again, a very solid records all around. Um, I don't really know what Lyman Good brings to the table. He's got to be like 36 or 37. Uh, not that Bilal Muhammad's a, a spring chicken, but uh, we're going to go Muhammad here by uh, by decision. Uh, moving on here to the featured bout on the main card. Uh, number 7 ranked, according to North Star Sports, Raquel Pennington taking on the number 10 ranked Marion Renault. Um Pennington ten and eight, Renault nine five and one. Pennington's the minus one fifty, minus one forty favorite. Again, it's another one of these fights that I don't really know what's at stake here. Um, Pennington already had her title shot. Marion Renault's forty two years old. She's on a two fight losing streak to Yana Kunitskaya and Kat Zingano. Pennington lost three of her last four. Obviously, got absolutely battered by Nunez. Just not a top fighter. Highly ranked because she's number seven, but again, only highly ranked because it's a really weak division. So, you know, not your typical number seven ranked fighter. Um, man, I really, I really don't know. Uh, you know, I, I guess women are a little bit different, but 42 years old is pretty darn old for uh, a female fighter. I really don't know what, what uh, Marion Renault has left in the tank. I'm gonna go Pennington, just because she's tough, and and 31. But she's taken a absolute beating in some of her last fights. Uh, just not a not a really good fighter. Not not a whole lot to say here, man. Her fight with Holly Holm was really 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 lackluster. Uh, now I mean, a lot of the blame goes to Holly Holm, but I I, I don't know, man. There, there just needs to be better young talent in some of these women's. Uh, division because I don't I don't really know what Pennington is doing or what her goals are because okay you beat Marion Renault maybe you move to number six 
But, like, are you ever getting another title shot? I mean, a paycheck's a paycheck, so, I mean, if you're just fighting just to make money, but, you know. And then Marion Renault, I mean, I guess she has more to, to gain than Pennington does just because Pennington's the higher-ranked fighter. But, again, you're 42. Does anybody really want to see Marion Renault get absolutely murdered by Amanda Nunes in, in, a, in a title fight? Not really. Um, so we'll go Pennington just because she's tougher and younger and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I always hate, well, you know, Pennington has grittier performances. Okay, yeah, but she still loses most of the fights that she's been in as of late. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Again, uh, that's the it's kind of the nature of some of these quarantine cards. You just kind of go, well, we're going to pit this fighter up against this this fighter for, for no reason other than to fill a card. Uh, not and, and I guess to cash a check, but, you know. Not really a whole lot at stake, but you know, whatever. You kind of got to deal with uh, the the hand that you're dealt in in these times. Uh, quickly moving on here to the co-main event, we have Josh Emmett taking on Shane Burgos. Uh, Josh Emmett is the number eight ranked featherweight. Shane Burgos number ten. Burgos is the minus one thirty five favorite. And now this this is a good fight. This is a good fight. Makes a lot of sense. Burgos is on the rise. Emmett trying to, you know, kind of keep his his top ten ranking, and uh, you know they're they're very close in the ranking. So a win for Emmett. I mean, one forty five is pretty stacked. It doesn't put you in the top five, but it puts you, you know, knocking right on the door. And I'm a big fan of Josh Emmett. You know, uh, thirty five years old. A late bloomer, you know, uh, what was it? He said that if he didn't win that fight versus Ricardo Lamas, that he was going to retire or something, uh, you know, really a doubt about his, about his career, uh, you know, was 10 and 0, got into the UFC, won a couple of fights, lost a split decision to, to Desmond Green. And then he, he was unranked. And I, th- I believe Ricardo Lamas was, uh, number five in the rankings, and it was a late replacement fight, I want to say. And he comes in and knocks out Ricardo Lamas in the in the first round, and you know that really put him uh, significantly higher in the 145 rankings uh, just with one fight. And you know he he got knocked out in that kind of weird fight, I believe, in Orlando versus Jeremy Stevens, where. There was some question as to whether or not that it was an illegal knee thrown by Jeremy Stevens. Uh, I don't think it was because I believe it missed. Uh, but it, you know, some weird, some weird circumstances there. Goes on to knock out uh, Michael Johnson with a vicious, vicious overhand right late in the third round in that fight card. I believe that was the one in Philly. Um, and then in July of 2019, knocked out Mursad Bektich. So, you know, in his last three wins, all knockouts, and he he might he might be the real hardest hitting one forty five. Or Josh Emmett hits really hard. He's a fun fighter to watch. I mean, he was kind of getting worked in that Michael Johnson fight, and you know, just found a way one punch knocking out knocking the spit out of Michael Johnson's mouth. You know, just a, a hellacious knockout and. You know, Shane Burgos, I'm not as high as, as other people are on Shane Burgos. Um, but but obviously, he's a, he's a highly touted guy. And, you know, he only has one loss in his career. And that's uh, 
uh, a knockout loss to Calvin Cater. And you look at Cater, I mean, this is a guy who just got signed up for that main event uh, on Fight Island versus Dan Ige, which, man, that's that's going to be a good fight. That's a great fight. They're not they're not super highly ranked, you know what I mean? Um, it's not like Cater's the number one contender and Ige's number three in the division, uh, but that's that fight will deliver. Right? I I can guarantee that much. Stellar boxing uh, in that main event, but you know, stellar boxing with uh, 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 Shane Burgos, and he's on a three fight winning streak. Uh, split decision win over Cub Swanson, a knockout of Makwan uh, Amir Khani. Uh, and this one's tough, man. This one's tough because I I hear the hype with Shane Burgos. I really do. But I'm not overly familiar with him. But I'm pretty familiar with Josh Emmett. And I'm going to go with a slight underdog here. I'm going to go with Josh Emmett. And I'm going to go by knockout. Um, again, I know you look at Burgos' stellar record. But a very good record for Josh Emmett. You know, just, just only a couple of setbacks for Emmett. Um, I, I think if, if you want to do an Emmett and Stevens rematch, I think Emmett might work, might put the work in on Jeremy Stevens. I think, you know, yeah, he's a late bloomer, but I really think he's kind of grown in his last couple of fights. And, uh, I feel like the majority of the media is probably going to go with Shane Burgos, but I don't, I don't know, man, Josh Emmett, it's a tough out. Not that Shane Burgos is an easy out for Josh Emmett, but, uh, I'm going to go Josh Emmett by knockout and then... I mean, then we can really start talking about some interesting things uh, in the future. I mean, really for either fighter, because the 145 is just an absolutely cracking division. Um, but really, for the for for either winner, I mean, there's some there's some big big things at stake. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say, given the depth of the division, that the winner of this fight's gonna jump up too high in North Stars rankings. Uh, but then you're looking at a fight, you know. Maybe with the Korean Zombie, maybe with Brian Ortega, maybe a fight with uh, Yair Rodriguez. Uh, I know Frankie Edgar's making. Actually, no, he's going down to bantamweight, so he'll be out of the featherweight uh, rankings. Uh, I believe in a couple of weeks, because he's on that. Yeah, he's on that 251 card. Um, but you know, if Burgos wins, I don't think he takes on Stevens. He probably overshoots him. But a guy like Yair, I don't know if he has a fight going on. Um, and I, I, I don't think either would fight Zabit because he's probably too highly ranked and he's probably looking at that title picture. But, you know, featherweight is very, very fun. I know a lot of people are big stands of Max Holloway, but I am a huge fan of Volkanovski. I think that guy's, like Kamara Usman, I think that guy's going to reign over the division for a long, long time. Uh, and this leads us here to the main event of the evening, a heavyweight fight between the number three ranked Curtis Blades and the number seven ranked Alexander Volkov. Blades is the minus 400 favorite. He is also North Star Sports Lock of the Week. So the Lock of the Week here goes to Razor Blades. He's only 29 years old. He is on a three-fight winning streak. He only has two losses in his career, and they're to Francis. Both of them are to Francis and Ganu. So, uh, tough, tough shit for, for Curtis Blades, man, because, you know, he could beat Volkov. He could beat JDS again. He could beat Kane Velasquez. He could beat all of these people, but he's not getting a title shot over in Ganu because uh, you, you lost to him twice. 
And the worst case scenario for Curtis Blades is if Ngannou becomes champion. Because Blades might have to go on a 10-fight winning streak to get that trilogy because you got knocked out very quickly in both fights. I don't think anybody has any appetite to see that fight play out again. So he better he better hope Francis Ngannou doesn't win win that belt because you might as well go to Bellator, buddy, because you're, you're never going to sniff the title uh, as long as he's the uh, the champion. Uh, but he's a very, very good fighter. You know, you don't really you don't really see a whole lot of elite wrestling um, in the heavyweight division. But Curtis Blades is an elite wrestler. Again, three-fight winning streak. Put a wrestling clinic. They should teach that in, in college uh, over Justin Willis. Uh, knockout of Shamil Abdurakimov, and then the uh, knockout of Junior Dos Santos, uh, who I don't, I think is, I'm not going to say still in his prime, but I don't think JDS is washed. So I think that was a very good victory. Um, again, man, you just, when you look at title implications, man, you, the two losses to Ngannou are going to make it tough, but uh, we'll focus on the main event here. And uh, you look at Alexander Volkov, uh, he, he's nobody's punk either, you know. Uh, had the, the the victory over Greg Hardy. Uh, in my mind, was winning uh, versus Derek Lewis and got knocked out uh, with 11 seconds to go in that uh, Madison Square Garden uh, card. Actually, excuse me, no, that was the that was the um, uh, uh, McGregor Khabib card. Uh, but this was a guy who was on a six fight winning streak before that loss to Derek Lewis. You know, had wins over uh, Roy Nelson, Stefan Struve. Had, had a win over Fabricio Verdum in the main event of uh, UFC London. Uh, he's a good fighter, and he's he's tall, 6'7". Uh, although I think I think uh, Razor Blades is pretty tall, too. It might be 6'4". So I, I think height, height is probably a, a little overplayed of an angle uh, when you're talking about a 6'4 fighter versus a 6'7 fighter. Uh, Volkov, the former uh, Bellator heavyweight champion... Um, obviously because Blades is my lock of the week, I'm going to go with Curtis Razor Blades. I think I'll finish Volkov. The The thing with me is Blades do- has dominated pretty much everybody he's fought. Everybody who's, all of his 13 wins are just utter domination. He's, he's really good. It's just if you got one punch knockout power, or if your name just rhymes with Bansis, you know, you're going to, you're going to, he's going to have a tough time, tough time winning, but Volkov... I don't know, man. I'm just real low, real low on him after his win over Hardy. Cause yeah, it's a win, but he just fought so tentative and so, so boring. And you know, listen, I get it. It's a heavyweight division. I mean, anybody could put your lights out with one punch, and Hardy's got a lot of power. But this is a guy who. He's not ranked. He's Greg Hardy has beaten up a bunch of cans in the UFC. Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy does not have a legitimate victory in the UFC. He just beats up cans. And I don't know. I guess I was just... maybe I'm wrong. Now I still I still think no matter what Blades wins this fight, but I don't know, just that that performance put a really sour taste in my mouth. Um but I mean, I don't know. You never know. He's he's just kind of a weird, lanky, stiff fighter. But again, I mean, the, the ramifications for Alexander Volkov are, are major. 
I mean, if if Curtis Blades win this wins this fight, it means absolutely nothing. He doesn't move up in the rankings. Nothing happens. It's just a paycheck and another main event. And it 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 helps him stay relevant. But it doesn't make his his title shot chances any better. Now, for Volkov, if Volkov wins, he's not in the title picture because we still got to go through, you know, the trilogy with uh, Stipe and DC, and then we still have to go with Ngannou and then whoever the hell he's fighting for the title. Now, if Volkov beats Curtis Blades, he's probably number three or number four in the rankings. Like, that's a really big thing. So the rankings really don't change if Blades wins. But if Volkov wins, man, like, you're you're probably in the top three, man. Like, you're, you're very, very relevant. I don't think... Even going into that fight with Derek Lewis, I don't think he was ever ranked in the top five. So to be ranked like three or four, ah, that's a that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. And so so Cormier's ranked number one in the heavyweight division. Now he's gonna retire in August when that fight's over, or even July. July, I I can't remember. No, it must be August. So. Cormier is out of the picture, so whether or not he wins and retires or loses and retires, he's out of the picture. So everybody bumps up a ranking in the heavyweight division, whether or not Steve, whether or not there's a champion or not, because uh, I guess they're, I mean, the champion will be decided at some point. So everybody's bumping up one. Um, now you could, you could, I mean, listen, every, people are going to have to stay active in the heavyweight division. Uh, it, it, it's a log jam at the top, but it's going to get cleared up very soon and you got to stay active. Now, if he wins, I mean, you could see a, a, a title depending on the timing. Now, if, if we can get the trilogy out of the way and book, like say Stipe wins and book Stipe and Nganu, we could have a, a, a title eliminator between like Derek Lewis and Volkov you know, at the end of 2020, um, you know, because I, I would like to see that again because can Lewis land the, the lucky punch? I, I don't really know. I don't know. Um, but there, there's always interesting fights to make at heavyweight. I mean, maybe maybe you even look down in the rankings for, for Volkov. Maybe maybe you main event him against an Overeem or uh, uh, honestly, you know, even I, I look at a guy like an Augusto Sakai maybe. I mean, that's probably a, uh, a fairly substantial jump in the rankings that I don't know if they'd want to do, but uh, there, there is there is options for Volkov if he wins. But again, everybody's going to have to stay patient because of the title uh, picture and implications here uh, at heavyweight. Uh, but we're going to go razor blades by uh, a finish. Uh, we'll, go in the, we'll go in the second round because Volkov's a tough guy, but uh, those are our predictions here for UFC Fight Night uh, Blades versus Volkov. Uh, we'll wrap up the show here again. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Uh, be sure to check out our website, NorthStarSports.media, and just keep listening to the product here on pretty much anywhere you can find us: iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube. A soup can with a, a string tied to it. I mean, wherever you can listen, we appreciate it. So thanks for tuning in, everybody.